Good morning. Welcome to With God at Dawn. We are beginning the final section of five chapters of our book, The Golden Chain, by Albert Olison. This third part and final part is called The, Div the Divine Plan to Its Climax. And our chapter is Deception's Climax. Let's begin with prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we pray for your presence with us this morning as we study your plan and how you have made a way to save us and redeem us. Thank you, Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen. All right. Chapter 14, Deception's Climax. Clustering about the end of the separative judgment before and after the close of probation are many dangers which the church must face. This is natural, for no greater appeal for good or pressure to do evil will ever be centered on human beings. That's two things that will be great. There's no greater appeal for good from God to us or pressure from Satan to do evil will ever be centered on human beings. That's this last part of, of God's plan. During the long history of the church, there have been many conflicts with satanic influence. But there's always been the continuing line of the faithful. Though at times attenuated and nearly broken by the flood of sin, there have been times when the boundaries between good and evil have not appeared too distinct, when issues have been clouded and indefinite. But at earth's closing hour, the line will be absolutely and clearly marked. The final and supreme attempt to destroy man's knowledge of the redemptive process will be made at this time when Satan propounds his great delusion. Because Lucifer, one of the angels by God's throne, sinned, the plan of redemption was necessary. Well, since that time, the fallen angel has worked to build up the philosophy of evil in every line of human endeavor, in every expression of life, religious, educational, scientific, and commercial, he has introduced confusion of thought and action in order to destroy the knowledge of God upon the earth. The condition in which we live is described as Babylon or confusion, the absence of truth or the substitution of errors for truth. I believe that it's called Babylon because when um, Nimrod built the Tower of Babel, that was where God confused the languages of people. And one person at the top would call for something and the, when the next person would hear it and convey a wrong message to the next person and a wrong message and finally the bottom would get a total wrong message and send up the wrong things. It was total confusion. Um, that's why it's called Babylon, the end times. Satan has touched every human soul. He has endeavored to sway and mold the thoughts and actions of individuals and nations. Silently but powerfully, he instigates and completes as far as he is permitted the sinister projects of his rebellious mind now at the climax of the great controversy between good and evil. Satan makes an open manifestation of himself. The coming of a deceiver in person is the logical outcome of spiritualistic phenomena and psychological experiments. The minds of men will be deceived so that they think the master charlatan is Christ. The dwellers on this earth will see this spurious Christ robed in dazzling glory. Not as Satan will he come, but as the Redeemer, 
He acts the part of the gentle Christ, giving gracious words of counsel and wisdom to comfort and cheer. At the same time, Satan's angels plan desolation and horror such as the world has never before witnessed. But of course, he'll look innocent, won't he? As though he wasn't the one doing it. It will look as though, well, let me read. In his role of savior, Satan will denounce evil and its votaries. He will rebuke the forces that destroy the minds of men, commend innocence and purity, pronounce blessings upon the followers of righteousness. Celebrated individuals will kneel before him and receive his benediction. What horror would overcome them if they realized the identity of the glorious being who addresses them? There's a feeling among religionists that Jesus Christ may come again. If this hope is not based upon Bible truth, it's dangerous. The coming of the deceiver in the name of Christ will be convincing proof to those who know not God's word. Men will follow Satan where he leads, endorsing his popular errors. For now, he will place his seal of authority upon his institutions. It will be a marvelous delusion. And I must say right here that his counterfeit would not work if it did not come first. If Christ came first, well, he wouldn't have a chance to do anything, would he? He has to, if he wants to deceive God's people, he has to do it while they're still here and before Jesus comes. So the very first appearing of someone claiming to be Christ will be Satan. He offers healing to the afflicted and solace to the sorrowful. Now, while he is the author of calamity, he can, for the purpose of the moment, remove it. Signs and wonders follow in his train. Miracles are displayed before the multitudes who throng his steps. This will be the overmastering mass deception of the millions of earth. This is the mass hypnotism of the multitude to turn away from truth. Well, that's because they don't want to receive the truth. It doesn't fit their idea. Only those who have been diligent students of the scriptures and who have received the love of the truth will be shielded from the powerful delusion that takes the world captive. That can be found in Great Controversy, page 625. Impossible as it may now appear, the logic, the arguments, the eloquence, the persuasive power of the deceiver will, if possible, influence the elect of God. In that day the righteous will pray, Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. The devil will reap the reward of millenniums of confused thinking. In other words, that's saying that millenniums of confused thinking has people out there ready to receive his deception. By suggestion and direct appeal, Satan will stir up the vindictive hatred of religious prejudice and turn the rebellious against the defenders of God's holy law. That's his point, is to destroy God's people if he can. And the people who have been deceived by him will be his tools. To this small company of the faithful, he will say, What do you, what? Do you not believe your own message of the coming of the Christ? He's now here and you reject him. You are renegades and traitors to your own preaching. Away with such a people from the earth. This is the point where the world turns from light to darkness. There remains no reason for the delay of God's wrath. Heaven's mercy has withheld the final judgment in order to save some lingering souls. The time of God's destructive judgments is a time of mercy for those who've had no opportunity to learn what is truth. Tenderly will the Lord look upon them. His heart of mercy is touched. His hand is still reached out to save while the door is closed to those who would not enter. But now 
The Earth is plunged into final destruction. In addition to the terrors of nuclear warfare, the full malice of evil angels, plus the divine wrath of the plagues are poured out upon sinners, and under this triple castigation, there will be no safety anywhere except for the righteous. Stung by the plagues of retribution and by the continual torment of unseen spirits, men will turn with savagery upon the faithful ones who by their lives rebuke evil. Because the majority of people believe that you can't uh, keep God's law, that God's faithful ones who are keeping it, and this is me talking now, not the book, um, they're going to see them as the enemy, as the one who are bringing this on them, and they will turn on God's people. Through yielding to satanic influences, men will be transformed into fiends, and those who were created in the image of God, who were formed to honor and glorify their creator, will become the habitation of dragons. God's people will be surrounded by people who are um, uh, possessed by demons. That's me again. Back to the book. And Satan will see in an apostate race his masterpiece of evil, men who reflect his own image. That can be found in the Review and Herald of April 14, 1896. No mercy will be shown to the keepers of God's law, for the last pure church will not be popular. It will be persecuted and oppressed, derided, maligned, despised, and hated, denied protection of the law. The righteous will patiently await the sign of the Lord's return. <clears throat> you see what's happening. Okay, I'm just going to make a comment. I hope it's helpful. That when Christ was on the cross dying, Satan was doing the same thing to him. He was putting pressure on him to get him to fail his mission, uh, to make it so miserable for him that he would give up. And he's going to do the same thing to God's people at the end. And God's going to allow it because it will be the crucible under which his people will be finally totally purified. They have to go through this. It's part of the process of purification. And he will allow it up to a point. God will not allow him to take our lives, however. Just like he didn't allow Satan to take Job's life. or um, But he, uh, no, unfortunately, there was nobody could who could deliver Jesus from this suffering. Anyway, back to the book. The members of the remnant church will be honored above others only because they endure an experience that no other created beings have ever passed through. When the time of trouble comes upon the earth, the toleration heretofore accorded them will disappear as the rights of citizens are restricted. They're made to feel their presence is detestable and intolerable we may imagine what will come with the loss of the privilege of franchise and the rights of redress. We'll have no protection. The rights of redress are that we can go to court when someone has treated us wrongly. Uh, and the privilege, the privilege of franchise, we don't have that anymore. That's the right to sell and uh, service of serving of goods. We can't um, buy or sell goods. So we will be have the loss of the privilege of franchise, loss of the rights of redress, there'll be no protection, the withholding of the emoluments of security, and the universal boycott by everyone. Later, as these measures do not cause enough suffering, they're abandoned to mob violence because the people are made to believe that it's our, that God's people, it's their fault, that they're suffering the plagues. Satan is going to tell them that, this is me again, <laughs> boy, I'm saying a lot, aren't I? I don't know, I should keep my mouth shut, but Satan is going to lead people to believe that it's God's people's fault 
that the plagues are falling and that will turn everybody in mob violence against God's people. This is the signal of the final victory as Jesus Christ comes to save his followers to the last. They're conscious of their weakness and failings, but they trust in the perfection of Christ. Christ is our righteousness. They're totally submitted to God's will, utterly consecrated to a decree peculiar only to them, to a degree peculiar only to them. The 18th chapter of the Revelation displays the final result of Satan's philosophy of confusion. There will be a collapse of nations, the crash of monetary systems, the destruction of trade, the failure of false religion, the tragic end of all things material, the shattering of all men's dreams of progress. They think the world is getting better. They're going to have a thousand years of peace. So that dream will be shattered. The writing of the book of history will come to the final period, a complete end of everything. This is the annihilation of the material things for which, which for millenniums have dominated the minds of men. This is the harvest that the world will reap because of the homage it gives to Satan. The world that has rejected the truth will receive Satan as the Lord of Lords and King of Kings. You can read that in Review and Herald, April 14, 1896. Okay. When probation ends, it will come suddenly, unexpectedly, at a time when we are least expecting it. But we can have a clean record in heaven today and know that God accepts us. And finally, if we're faithful, we will be gathered into the kingdom of heaven. That can be found in Manuscript 95 of 1906. All right. Let's see. All right. That's the end of our chapter. I'm going to close with prayer and um, wish you well until the next study. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I pray for those who are here with me today. Help them to trust in you. Believe your words, no matter what things they see and hear around them during the times that are coming. This is where we will go through our time of Jacob's trouble. We'll be purified. We will rely on you by faith and the righteousness of Christ. Thank you, Jesus, that you've given us a way out, that you will protect us from evil during this time. For it will not glorify you for us to be destroyed at this time in history. And you will keep us through this time of trouble. Thank you, Lord. In your name we pray. Amen. Okay, brothers and sisters, God bless you today. I'm going to go ahead and uh, go and do my study and uh, record it on Stephen Haskell's Bible Handbook now. And I will see you there.